the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. I've got what I refer to as future self, current self, and past self, right? This isn't some exercise in Freud. It's an exercise in trying to learn about investing. I wish future self could have come back to current self and old self and taught myself many lessons. Let's, let's do a little bit of that today. From 1995 to 1999, stock market had one of its best five-year stretches ever. Now you're saying, Rob, that's 20-plus years ago. That's right. We're coming off 2010 through 2020 was a pretty damn good stretch as well. Going into 2020, we're like, markets look stretched. The markets look uh, overvalued. The markets look tired. And then out of nowhere, COVID hit. I'm like, oh, no, that's a recipe for disaster. An overinflated market running into a thing that shuts down the world economies. And strangely enough, the markets went higher. So not all history lessons are going to be wonderful. But from 95 to 99, that was the best five-year period ever on the stock market in its time. And what happened in 2000, 2001, and 2002, it was the worst correction. It was a brutal bear market. Now, again, it was only three years. It wasn't like a bear market that went on 30 years where no one made money ever investing. Now, three years is a long time. If your time horizon is 10 years, that's 30% of your time. I, I see why you would be scared. If it's 20, then you're like, yeah, it's suddenly a little bit less of my time. And then three years in a 30-year time horizon or a 40-year time horizon is nothing but a thing. Back in the 1990s, listen to a little Pearl Jam, a little maybe tail end of rock and roll, like pop rock and roll, like Van Halen started to die off in the early 90s and replaced by Nirvana and Pearl Jam. Okay. But diversification was a bad word in the 1990s. If you weren't in tech stocks, you were a loser. Diversification will come in favor. Diversification will come out of favor. <clears throat> I wear one hoodie, one ski mask over a uh, face mask. I wear one pair of jeans that I have two of. I wear one type of sock. <laughs> like To me, diversification is a horrible thing until I'm single and I need to attract a member of the other sex and I have to go full on peacock if you know what i'm saying and like hey look i got disco clothes hey look i got beach clothes hey look i got skiing clothes but when you're in a functional relationship you're like diversification's bad same thing with investing right if it's functional 
you're well diversified. And that means, yes, sometimes underperforming. But if it's dysfunctional, you're over-concentrated in one sector, one name, and you'll get what you deserve if things go bad on you. Old self was afraid of recessions. Current self and future self loves recessions because they all see them as buying opportunities that I missed. Recessions is like the N-word that you do not say. Or if you're fighting with a woman, you do not call her a part of her body. You do not do it. Our word is the same thing. To financial experts, the word recession is kind of like, careful, that's a very big word on these hallowed grounds. And the reality is recessions are wonderful. They take care of excesses. If economy is chugging along and let's say it's sprinting, what do you do after you sprint for a mile or a quarter of a mile or a hundred meters? You slow down and you take a breather. Guess what the economy does? Same thing. It's not a bad thing. And it's called a recession when it happens two quarters in a row of negative GDP growth. And people go, oh, it's a recession. I need to get my money out of the market now. Best time to be buying is in the recession. Best time to be selling is at an all-time high. In theory, you're buying cheaper, you're selling more expensive. But again, that's really basic advice, so please don't take it. But know that recessions are good things. And I'll give you another good example of a recession. In 2000, I moved to California. California was Nirvana. There was a King Arthur here. There was a Valhalla. There was the, it was heaven. It was a feast of monks' feasts. Uh, good-looking men, good-looking women. Jobs starting at $100,000. They'd even give you candy when you'd show up to interviews. Everyone was good-looking and six feet tall. It was Camelot. It was all that and a bucket of chicken. And here I was, a 30-year-old, essentially. And um, I was walking into a town of 20-year-olds. And I, I worked my butt off in my 20s so that I could have a six-figure job. They went to college, came out, and got a six-figure job. I was conservative in my 20s and didn't buy, like, really ridiculous clothes and expensive suits and uh, cigars. I saved money and invested money. They come out of college and they're like, let's go go to a cigar bar and buy a $300 Cubano and then go to dinner and get a $400. I was like, that's never on my agenda. But recessions kind of take those people and send them back to mommy and daddy. The person who built his business from the ground up, he sticks around because he knows how to go through a down period. But 2000, 2001 and 2002 sent a lot of kids back Let's just call them like, how shall we say, Lori Lachlan's children, back to mommy and daddy. I know I shouldn't take a shot at people's children's. Olivia Jade. Um, so recessions took care of that. And restaurants that had three hour waits, that only had two hour waits. Three week waits were down to two week waits. Um, $400 bottles of wine became $200 bottles of wine. And then during a recession, they came two buck chuck. Right? So since World War II, recessions have become less severe. As a nation, our government and our Federal Reserve has kind of figured out how to stop job losses. You do it with stimulus plans. And how to stop um, inflation. You raise interest rates and cut down people's ability to borrow. Now, you tend not to do that during the recession, right? You tend to go the other way, to the lower interest rates. 
But we've, we've got enough financial engineering in our heads now through practice of recessions that I think we're pretty good. I think history is going to look back at the 2008-2010 financial crisis as that. I think politicians got us into that mess by saying everyone deserves a house. Poor people deserve houses. People of color deserve houses. Wealthy people deserve houses. Caucasians deserve houses. People without color deserve houses. Like we, we just got into like everyone gets a house. And the banking system wasn't ready for that. The banking system used to say, we're going to go off credit scores and income only. And we're not going to look at your color. We're not going to look at like, but then we started going, well, you got to give houses to everyone. You got to give 400,000 and 300,000 and 500,000, 600,000. And that's all well and good when things are going up. But when things are going down, you leave the banks holding on to a bag of nothing. People can't afford to pay back their bar, their borrowings. And that created a recession. Too much speculation created a housing market bubble, created a pop, which created a, a recession. Too much speculation coming out of college, getting a six-figure job for doing nothing, created speculation. Everyone had nice cigars and restaurants and, and, and expensive clothes. Too much gets pulled back with recessions. Recessions curb excesses. I'm Rob Black. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. So I met with my financial planner yesterday. I'm more of a wealth accumulator. I don't really like the taxes that you have to do when planning for retirement. There's parts of retirement that I don't really like focusing in on, that I want a professional financial planner around me. I don't want a stockbroker. I don't want an insurance agent. I don't want anything that's guaranteed. I want someone who knows how to handle withdrawals efficiently. Okay, let's talk about what I do. I help people aged basically 10 to 50 accumulate wealth. And I can tell you I've made every mistake or I've seen people who made mistakes or I have family members who have made mistakes. And I'll say, number one, live within your means. I'm not mad at a certain friend, but I know more than, how shall we say, two or three close acquaintances that have gotten Pelotons. And I'm like, that's expensive. Did you max out your retirement? No. You know that you got two things called legs and Ultimately, if it's a spouse, you can like go work out with her in a park or at a football field. Something the United States has no shortage of space. But oh, I need, I need, I need a two thousand, twenty five hundred, three thousand dollar exercise bike, and that's a whole year's of retirement income. Uh, not income, but savings in your twenties and thirties and forties. Two thousand dollars five years is a year is $10,000 over 10 years. It's 20, like, that's a big chunk of change. 5,000 becomes 10, 10 becomes 20, 20 becomes 40, 40 becomes $80,000 before you retire. Or you could have an exercise bike that you're probably going to be selling on Craigslist a year later. Live within your means. If you're making $50,000, $60,000 a year and you're buying a $2,000 exercise bike, there's something wrong with you. If you have two very functional vehicles and you're going out and buying a brand new car that's going to depreciate 20% in its first couple of years, there's something wrong with you. You're like, I need, I need, I need. 
there's a great show on Netflix that talked about how the 60s and the 70s really turned into a period of time of America, you should own more things. Top mistakes beginners make, not living with their means, failing to set goals. You should say, I want to work from age 20 to 60, and then I'd want to live from 60 to 70 as the greatest grandfather ever, and from age 70 to 80, I kind of want to be an old man who, who scares children in the neighborhood. You should have goals. You should have goals of maybe you want a wife and retirement together. And what does that year 60 to 100 look like? Is that $40,000 a year you could live off? Is it 60000 Is it 100000 You could kind of start figuring that stuff out. Goals are important. Number three on my list of mistakes every beginner will eventually make is not saving enough. Ron Reagan lived to 93 years old. He was essentially senile and had Alzheimer's disease at age 60. So 33 years after retirement and 10 years of very bad health. Now, again, I'm playing on, do you remember Reagan going, he was going through the Iran-Contra uh, trial for impeachment, essentially? Oh, they'd say, did you ever meet Oliver North? He'd be like, I don't recall. Did you sell arms to the Iran-Contras? I don't remember. Um, what is your name? I don't recall. And Reagan, they thought maybe he had Alzheimer's disease. Maybe he did at age 60. But he lived another 33 years after retired from being president of the United States. The last 10 years, he was in a bed and he was feeble. My grandmother was in a bed and feeble. Couldn't walk the last three years of her life. Got bed sores. Her feet collapsed. Started calling her daughter like, you know, Shirley Temple or something crazy like that. Um, aging isn't great. So not saving enough and being in bad health. Reagan was lucky that he was ex-president. If he was my my father, he would have been thrown in a hospital with another dude and, and gotten pretty poor care of. But then again, he's in a hospital being taken care of where you put him in a third world country, probably would have been shot. Okay, okay. Number four on beginner's mistakes. Number three is not living, uh, is not understanding how long you're going to live. And even thinking about taking care of yourself versus the government's going to take care of you. Because government social security is going to be very, very minimal on what you want from it. Number four on the list is failure to create a budget. Budgets are unsexy. To me, budgets are like, uh, you're, you're young and you're passionate. Like, that's naked. <laughs> you take off your shirt and like you, you see like muscles and tone and stuff and you're, you get to the undergarments and you see granny panties and you're like, what's that? Like they go from her knees up to her shoulders. And you're like, what's going on? Budgets are no fun. They're not sexy. You and your loved one, you, you can have a, a, a budget sex party. You can have a budget alcohol shot party. I don't know. Try to make them fun in any way you can. I don't, I don't know, but. Trying to say what's your what's our rent or what's our mortgage? Start there. Go with our paychecks and go backwards. Um, my kid ate wild salmon yesterday, and, and he didn't really much care for it. It wasn't how I cooked it because I didn't cook it. <laughs> Someone else did. <laughs> but I'm like, you realize that's like twenty six, twenty seven dollars that you're not eating. And he's like, oh yeah. I'm like, I'm gonna budget you a little cheaper dinner next time because. <laughs> That was not a good expense. Another mistake people make is too much debt. Now, I like debt. 
I like student debt and I like mortgage debt. I don't like credit card debt. I don't like, uh, let's go buy my sugar booger a diamond ring and that jewelry store debt. Now, too much debt is somewhere between 28% and 35% of your pre-tax income. You, you can't have 50% of your income servicing your debt. You can have 28% servicing your mortgages and your student loans. In theory, student loans got you a better education, which got you a better job. This is seriously being questioned in society. But too much debt when you start, I mean, honestly, when you take out your house payment, whether it be your sheltering payment, whether it be rent or a mortgage, you know, you have to pay that off. It's debt. Every month you have to send something in. Every month you, you can eat like a prince or a pauper. That's no doubt. But you have to know your budget. Therefore, you have to manage your debt. Um, keep in mind, there's going to be things that are just set in life. Like you may lose 10% of your salary to income taxes. You may lose 20% of your salary, 25% of your salary to federal taxes. So suddenly we're at 35%. Social Security, you're at 45%. And then you start getting into your housing cost. Let's say you keep it at 20, 30%. So 30% on top of your 45% of taxes, you're down at 75%. Now, you still have entertainment, cars, vacations, uh, roofs that break. Uh, maybe if you want a toy, like a scooter. Most of your money has gone before you get to the things that are discretionary. And yet you don't even realize it because you don't look at how a budget works and how much debt you should have or shouldn't have. Servicing any more than 36% of debt, you're probably going to fail. You're not going to save for retirement or you're going to get into a bad month and, and things are just hiccup on you in a bad way. I'm Rob Black. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. So I like the idea of future self coming back and talking with past self and current self somewhere in there. I'm one of those people that I like a good time travel twist in a movie. I know it's not realistic, but it gets me every time. I'm a sucker for bad movies, I suppose, or bad twists or obvious twists. Anyhow, um, I'm talking about mistakes that I wish I could go back and tell myself not to make. Live within your means. I took a girlfriend to Miami in my 20s. What's wrong with me? Failure to set goals. Um, I always had goals that were kind of like just a wife. I never thought about kids and they're expensive. And kids' colleges are expensive. And goals like I want to live pretty well in retirement or just okay at retirement. Um, having a budget, not fun, not sexy, but it's really, really important to know that you can manage all your taxes that you have obligations to, all your debts that you have obligations to, that you can save 10 to 15% of your salary and then still have fun and sexy times. You don't want to carry too much debt. And the only debt that Rob Black approves of is low-cost college debt and low-cost mortgages. All other debt needs to be suspect, where you're like, sus, you could be the thing that's ruining my financial life. Another th uh, area that we get into problems is not having enough cash reserves. Haven't we all been there once in our life where we're like, 
I'd really like to pay for the speeding ticket, but my bank account says $35 and I can get a pizza or I can pay off my speeding ticket back when speeding tickets were $35. And you're like, I'm going to get a pizza. <laughs> and that's the wrong decision in theory. But that cash reserves for an emergency speeding ticket or a car crash where you're covering a deductible. Or maybe you get a DUI and you're like, what? Whoa, that's expensive. You still want to be able to save money for retirement. You still want to get groceries. You still want to you know, pay off down your car payment and your home payment and your, your uh, Banana Republic. I just started a new job payment. So having a little bit of cash on the sidelines that you can dip into that's unusual and very odd circumstances, a cash reserves is awesome. I've got six months of cash. And it's always pissed me off because I'm like, oh, if I put you in Apple, you'd be up 40%. And then I'd have free cash on top of cash to use in case of emergency. I hate cash. Cash is trash. Cash doesn't get the returns, but cash is there because it's liquid. Insufficient disability insurance. I have seen more people become poor because they've bought homes and got in over their head with debt. But I've also seen a lot of people lose their ability to earn an income and not be able to service their lifestyle. Disability is a lot more common than death. If you're in your 20s or 30s or your 40s, you're more likely to get into a car crash this weekend and not be able to go to work on Monday for a week, two weeks, maybe a year, two years. One of my friends, and I say it with a long ass because I have so many friends I want to impress you, he was a dentist, a really good dentist, and then one day he accidentally took a scalpel to his hand or a needle into his hand or something, and he could no longer be a dentist. So he went from making 160, 180,000 a year to nothing. His disability insurance got him through. Now, again, had he been working on a patient, accidentally slid his wrist and bled out and died, the life insurance is going to be much more important than the losing his his hands, you know, muscular ability. But more people are going to lose, they're going to be disabled than they're going to die. Sometimes dying is a flat out best thing that ever happens to a person. My dad didn't have enough money saved for retirement for two people, let alone, uh, you know, living well. When he got a heart attack, they found cancer. He got cancer treated six, seven years later, it comes back. And then they say, you're going to be dead in six months. One of the best things he did was he just flat out died. He didn't dip into the emergency money. He didn't dip into the no one's coming in, but food's going out kind of money. I know that you're saying that's harsh, Rob. It is. I know. Disability insurance is you are much more likely and your job has it covered. And the best thing about uh, disability insurance is job's going to give you some probably. You got to talk to HR. You got to get to know what your benefits are and are not. And if you don't, you're responsible. But that disability insurance is good. And it can't really be oversold because it's all mathematics. It's not one of the ones where you're going to get the insurance agent fat and wealthy. He's not going to go, woohoo, honey, I got another disability insurance. Let's go to Y and make children. It's not that much of a commission. Life insurance, watch out. Annuities, watch out. You're making that agent a lot of money more often than not. Okay, other mistakes that we make. Updating your paperwork. I was pretty cocky and arrogant in my 20s. 
I wanted to get away from my father and not look back. It was kind of a Bruce Springsteen Thunder Road. Oh, 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 Thunder Road. I just have a girl in this car in a dream and I'm driving away, right? I wanted to do that. Um, so I fell in love with Juliet. That didn't work out. So I fell in love with Amanda. That didn't work out. So I fell in love with Kelly. That didn't work out. But all along, I, I was still in my financial career and I was opening up an account at Schwab. I was opening an account at Fidelity. I was opening up a new 401k at a company. And every time it went from Juliet to Amanda to Kelly, like they kept getting thrown down on my paperwork. Flash forward 10, 15, 20 years, I finally get the, the formula right. I finally make babies with my love potion number nine. That's the only way I'm going to make a baby, right? And suddenly, like, you have to shake everything up and go, I need to be responsible now. Let's take a look at all this, this paperwork that's coming in. Wait, wait. If I died, Fidelity would get my million dollar. Oh, no, that's not good. Oh, and if I died, Amanda would get my $2 million Vanguard account. Oh, that's not good. Current spouse and children would be very upset. So update your paperwork. In my 20s, I didn't want to put my family members, my brother Michael, my sister Susan. Susan was on a lot of my paperwork. She's not anymore. I love my sister, but she shouldn't be the first in line to inherit the fortune of Rob Black, the estate of Mr. Roberto Negro. Senior. I know you're saying you have high high hopes. Yes. You have to have high, high hopes for a living. Um, so update your paperwork and update your will. It's very, very important to do that every five to ten years because things change. I know people that they have they leave all their money to their children when they're you know ten years old, and then by the time their kid gets to twenty, he's got a crack cocaine problem. Don't leave a kid who has a crack cocaine problem a million dollars. It's not going to end like you want it to. How about I, I, I go less dark than crack cocaine? How about I say meth? No, that's too dark as well. How about gambling addiction? How about uh, a, a strong desire for French prostitutes and booze? Uh, okay. Okay, um, update your will because sometimes your children don't turn out like the way you want them to for 100, Alex. Yeah, that's better. Sometimes your little sugar booger, your little daughter, your little uh, apple of your eye, the, the twinkle in your toes, sometimes she marries a, a, a man who hits her. <laughs> and you don't want to leave him the money. I know you're saying, yeah, updating that will. Okay, Rob, I got it. We'll do a check. Um, another thing is failure to diversify. I own a lot of tech stocks in my twenties and my thirties and my forties and still in my fifties. And I, I don't practice what I preach. Um, has, have I gotten better about it? Yes. Is my portfolio still too much tech growth personally? Yes. I feel like I'm missing out if I'm not in that area. And that's, that's, I'm inadequate there. I've got a mental issue. I need a pill for that. So as you get older, you should diversify. If you made all your money in trading cards, maybe you should buy some stocks. If you made all your money in tech stocks, maybe you should buy some non-tech stocks. If you made all your money in stocks, maybe you should buy a bond or two or a piece of real estate or two. Or maybe you get into, like, maybe you could diversify a little bit so that when the stock market does get hit for three or four years, you don't become suicidal and, and take the Rob Black advice of only living in a one-story house. There's going to be bad times. 
Another mistake we make is too much short-term focus. Oh, Biden's going to be better than Trump. Obama's going to be better than Clinton. Clinton's going to be better than Bush. Bush is going to be better than God. Like, what? Why, like, why not look at the, I've got 10, 20, if you got 20 years left till you retire, take a look at the last 20 years. It's worked in funny situations. It's worked after terrorist attacks. It's worked after housing market crisis, after Bear Stearns and Lehman Brothers go bankrupt. If you've got a 20-year time horizon, take a look at the last 20 years. Take a look at any 20-year period on stock on Wall Street and go, oh, oh, I get it. The 60s, we had hippies. I believe, like the Cartman family, that all hippies should be thrown in your basement and tased. Just kidding. (laughs) So anyway, um, too much short-term focus. I see that way too often. I got an email yesterday from someone who's like, with the new administration shutting down pipelines or changing executive orders to do this or that, do you think I should invest in oil or do you think I should invest in this or that? I'm like, if you're asking me a short-term trade, I would prefer you approach most of your investment thoughts as investments and not as trades. Now, if you want to be a trader, there's a radio show out there for you. Rob Black and your trading Doleros. But I'm not really doing a show on trading. I'm talking about a show to get you wealth. I don't know a lot of day, ter- day tr- uh, traders who are worth any money that don't work in Chicago or New York. In fact, I know none. Too much short-term focus will get you ed- uh, in trouble. You know another thing that will get you in trouble? Not enough education. If you want to invest in Wall Street, if you want to have a 401k, pull out a little Wall Street Journal action on occasion. Take a look at the business section of the New York Times. It'll serve you better than figuring out who's going to win the big football game or the hockey championship. Little high, high hopes. It's super important to have it in life. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. So growing up, I wanted to add value to who my father. I had a father-son relationship that was flawed, to say the least. I was the fifth boy, so I felt like I was going to be the fifth loved. And there was a lot of truth to that. My older brother, Clint, considerably older than me, um, got caught selling marijuana as a senior in high school. And it just humiliated my father. And like the headlines in the newspaper were Eagle Scout black dope head. And that just reverberated. And by the time, you know, what was I probably in kindergarten at that point in time, my childhood was basically ruined. So he had a kid disappoint him and he was also kind of a raging alcoholic. So I, I very much so had a daddy issue. And I, I, the only things I ever did well, did well in life was kind of to please my dad. Um, I wanted to get the highest SAT scores in my family because I was the fifth boy and I got to see what was coming ahead of me. And I did. I succeeded in business quite well. I'm one of the greatest stock pickers I've ever run into, if I do say so myself. But then again, I also was born at the right time at the right place. So I'm going to give more credit to my timing of being a kid who had the very first home computer, in theory, in an Atari 2600. That I kind of got it and I invested that way and it served me and clients quite well. It served me and business partners quite well. It served me and radio quite well. Um, when I'd have a CEO or board member from NVIDIA on my show 20 years ago, I knew what video game cards were and I knew that they were important. 
because we had to move from Pong, really basic graphics, to actually being able to murder someone on a video game, which was a controversial game in the 1990s. I think Sega Genesis had a, a game where you could spy on women and then pick one to murder. And it was like, whoa, you pushed the social boundaries back then in video games? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I learned business lessons my whole life, and I don't know why. I saw horror movies as incredibly cheap to make. You didn't have to pay actors too much. And it was all special effects driven. You had a built-in audience of kids who wanted to go to movies, eat popcorn, hold a girl's hand, and, and, and see a movie. Get away from mom and dad for a freaking frag in a few minutes. I know you have all this in your life, too. You just need to turn, on the, turn off the financial blinders and see the world as I do. You need to get organized. I hate it. Uh, I used to spend my weekends trying to find sexy romantic spots to get away to. Now I spend my weekends trying to get more organized. Uh, I save every bill, every piece of paper, every tax piece of paper for five years. And I've got a shoebox that says 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020. And I throw away all the contents from 2015 when it's 2020. All the contents in 2016 was 2021. It's not a great system. And for the electronic, I have folders on my computer that says 2015, and I do the same thing there. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I got into a situation where someone needed my passport. I know you're saying, were you arrested? Quiet. No, I was not arrested. But birth certificate, Social Security. Uh, sources of income, really important in your 20s, 30s, and 40s when you're starting to get mortgages and you're starting to get cars. Having that stuff laying around is great. As you get older, you're like, eh, I make money. <laughs> your sources of income, not nearly as demanding later in life, but you should keep that around early. Your liabilities. I think liabilities, uh, knowing what you owe and letting someone find it just in case you get hit by a truck today is awesome. My spouse, my sugar booger, my love, has a very bad problem of writing down her passwords in really odd, random places. And if she dies, I'm never going to figure out her, her electronic system. Whereas I'm like, on my home desk, there's a folder that's very complicated to get into. You have to double tap. You, no, no. You have to use your left finger and hit it twice on it. And it'll open up and it'll tell you all my passwords, if you know my one password. I have one password that guides all my passwords. But it's important to share that information with a loved one. Don't be a jerk. Don't die where people have to pull Scooby-Doo mystery to figure out what's where. Your insurance policies are important. I even point to them and tell my sugar booger, this is what you grab if I die. This is what you grab if I get into a car accident and I live. I spell it out. I don't when when tragedy hits, you should be mourning a person or supporting a person. You shouldn't be figuring out their paperwork. You know who was an investor god? Who was the very first investor god? If I were to write my own Bible, which is probably heresy, and I shouldn't say that out loud, but if I were to write my own Bible, the first investor god, not the man who made the planet, not the man who made the financial system, but it was Scrooge. He didn't overspend on holiday gifts. He didn't overspend on overpaying people. He didn't give people too many days off so they can get fat. He didn't give people too many days off so they could want to kill him and become the boss. Scrooge was an investor god. 
All hail Scrooge. Now I know you're saying in the book of Rob <laughs> or in the book of Scrooge. <coughs> I make myself laugh. The only thing I can tell you about Scrooge is I hope he taught all children like, yes, yes. In the end, it's okay to like give money away to charity. But he got wealthy by not giving money away to charity. He showed us path one. There's many paths to getting wealthy. He could have lived till the day he died off his savings. He almost did, right? Okay, so to, to become a millionaire when you're 20, all you got to do is save $1,000 a year. To become a millionaire when you're 25, all you got to do is save $1,700. So it goes up 70%. If you wait till you're 30, you got to save $2,900 a year. That's $250 a month. If you wait till you're 40, that's $8,700 up from that initial $1,000 a year. Now you're at $8,700. If you wait till you're 45, it's $15,600 a year. And that's $1,300 a month. Can you see how it's moved up from like 80 bucks a month to $1,300 a month? The value of starting early, the value of having uh, false idols like Scrooge to follow is important. I hope you get the tongue-in-cheek. I'm Rob Black.